This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. An entertaining night from around the NBA. Stephen Curry's scoring surge continues in overtime games in Milwaukee and Denver. But we begin today with the MVP race, David. Steph Curry's scoring surge continued as he put up 49 points and led the Warriors to a 107-96 win over the 76ers with 11 straight games with 30 or more points. Steph Curry now passes Kobe Bryant for the most 30-plus point games by a player 33 years old or older. He's also surpassed now Bradley Beal for the season's top score, averaging 31.4 points per game. In that same game, Joel Embiid carried a Sixers team without Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris with 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. Now, before we get to that, let's go to Denver, where Nikola Jokic's three-pointer in double overtime Put the Nuggets over the top in a 139-134 to win over the Grizzlies. A very entertaining game. Jokic finished with 47 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists. David, I thought that this had been a two-man race for MVP between Jokic and Embiid. And both of them, again, heroic nights for their teams. But should we start listening to Magic Johnson a little bit more? And should we put Steph Curry into realistic conversations for... The MVP race. I, I never want to say we should listen to Magic Johnson about much of anything. I mean, an entertaining Twitter follow maybe for his ability to state the obvious. But when you're talking about the MVP race, he seems a little bit far removed from the situation. I, I don't know. It's just I feel like the Steph Curry situation has been one that has been slowly building. Like, obviously, he wasn't the same powerhouse of a factor. He wasn't certainly a name that was in consideration earlier in the season. But it just kind of goes to show you how dominant he's been of late. Like, not just incredibly gaudy production, but that he's helped, helping to carry Golden State to wins almost single-handedly, really. And so now that he is surpassed Bradley Beal as the leading scorer in the NBA, I guess he he has to be in consideration. Like, what's the separation there? Like, if you look at Jokic, it's because he's a better playmaker. If you look at Embiid, not only is he a solid playmaker, but he's also a much better defender, the best defender of the three candidates. But now you've got Steph just absolutely obliterating the competition as an outright scorer and leading Golden State in winning efforts as well. That merits some consideration. Wouldn't the separation be that Denver and Philadelphia are good playoff teams? And that if not for this playing tournament, the Warriors would not even be in the playoff picture right now. Would that I, that to me would be the separation? There's no doubt that Steph Curry is among the most valuable players in the NBA. But at the same time, I don't know if that means that he should be a realistic candidate for the MVP this season, given that the Warriors are 29 and 29, and they're they're just they're, they're, and they're still a game behind Memphis for the eighth seed in the West. Look, that's fair. I, I just, you know, I've had this conversation with you for years. The MVP criteria seems to change, and I can't I can't stand that it's the best player on the best team or that that's part of the conversation uh, because often 
that revolves around a well-rounded cast as well. And if you got Embiid, you've got a fellow all-star and according to himself, a def- the defensive player of the year and Ben Simmons, and they've got a pretty good supporting cast around those two players as well. Uh, a you know possible all-star level talent in Tobias Harris. And so that's why they're succeeding as well as they have. That's not to take anything away from what Embiid is able to do individually, but if you remove him from the team, how much worse or better did they become? Uh, I think Jokic probably has as strong an argument as anything in that you know he's playing not necessarily single-handedly. Uh, certainly Jamal Mar- Murray was a fantastic player, although unfortunately gone for the season. But when you look at what they've been able to accomplish, winning three straight games – I mean, he's their, clearly Denver's best player, but Steph, I just feel like the the supporting cast around him is worse than they are for the rest of the the other two players or the other candidates in the race. Even Giannis, you know, as recently as a couple weeks ago, I remember making that same argument that he was deserving of some consideration. So it's been kind of a two-man race for most of the season, but you've had names like LeBron, James Harden, Giannis kind of creep in there. And now Steph, it, it just feels like it's more recency bias, uh, kind of like the, the 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 kind of the moments. We're all captured in the moment here. Right. He's scoring. He's exciting. He's He's been so underrated for such a long time, you know, kind of criticizing whether or not he's changed the game for the better or for the worse. But he's been dominant. I don't know. I, I can't take away his individual brilliance and whether or not that might be worth considering as the, the league's most valuable player. Uh, in the month of April – Steph is averaging 40.7 points on 55, 50, and 91 shooting splits. I mean, it's just insane what he's doing. Now averaging 31.4 points per game, again, surpassing Bradley Beal for that top spot, where after a few weeks in the season, we thought that Beal was just going to run away with the scoring title. Now, these eye-popping stats that he is putting up in April, he is now breaking records like crazy. Here's just a list. It's his eighth 40-point game after, after Monday night in Philadelphia. Eighth 40-point game of the season. His 11th straight game with 30-plus points, which snaps Kobe Bryant's record for a player 33 years or older. We talked about that already. Mm. His 46th three-pointers over the last five games is a new NBA record. And he became the first player in league history to make 10 or more three-pointers four times in a five-game span. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what he's doing is bananas, and I understand that. But you're right. It's a little bit of a prisoner of the moment thing. Nikola Jokic has been up there all season long. It's been five straight weeks that he's been like the NBA's Kia MVP ladder leader winner or whatever. Uh, just look, that they don't they don't decide who wins the MVP, but it does it does indicate just sort of how consistent he's been all year. Jamal Murray going down might even help him, especially with a game like he had in Memphis uh, or against Memphis. Uh, and then uh, Embiid has been right up there the entire year too, if not for that injury. But he hasn't missed so much time that he he's out of the running. So I understand all that. But, and look, this is not the first time we've had this Steph conversation either. The Warriors had a little bit of a surge in February. We started having conversations about Steph as a uh, potential MVP candidate then. And so now he's back in the race. But there does seem to be a flavor of the week with these MVP candidates. Last week it was Chris Paul, right? We've had Damian Lillard conversations. It's just whichever team is not, doesn't have Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid on it and goes on a little bit of a surge, we start having those types of conversations. Now I'll say this. I know that Steph just passed Bradley Beal for the scoring title, but we're not talking about Bradley Beal as an MVP candidate either. And if you look at the Wizards, look, they're right there just like the Warriors are for a play-in seed, not a playoff seed, not a top eight seed. The Warriors are still a couple games back of being, or they're actually one game back now with Memphis losing of an eighth seed. But And so it's still gettable. But as of right now, both of these teams are play-in teams, Washington and Golden State. 
Well, so if the we're going to talk about Steph, why not yeah, Beal? You're right. I mean, and look, the, I think the difference is also clearly in that case the record. Uh, you know, missing Russell Westbrook for parts of the season. They've had a number of injury issues, and a no, lot I of that. I the Warriors are almost. The Wizards are almost ten games below five hundred. I'm not well, actually yeah. saying that Bradley Beal should no, be no. in the, but well, but if we're gonna start talking about teams in the play-in tournament with MV, having MVP type players, I mean, without Beal, where would the Wizards be? Well, if the Wizards, I mean, the Wizards have won five in a row. I mean, if they are able to actually make some noise in the playoff race, I mean, I don't know. They'd have to at least. I mean, by the, I know by that point that the decision will have been made, the award will already have been given out, or whatever. But at the, I think if they're able to, you know become a playoff team that certainly merits some consideration i mean he's clearly the wizards best player i, I don't you look it just depends on what your criteria is it all offensive end of the spectrum is it defense does he have to be a well-rounded player more like Embiid? i i, I feel like Jokic has been pretty solid all around and i think he's certainly probably the top candidate i think most betting markets yeah. have him as the leading candidate for the mvp race I mean, why can't it be open to a seven or eight man race? I, I feel like this is going to change the conversation for the better. The more people that start getting that consideration, maybe it'll tighten and, and make concrete some sort of criteria that we can apply on a year to year basis rather than what feels very, very subjective. I think the MVP conversation is important because when you start talking about big resumes, Hall of Fame cases and stuff. Sure. Number one finishes don't they matter, but they're not the only thing that matters. Like a top five finish in the MVP race does matter. And, and that's why it's worth having these conversations. Now, as far as realistic conversations for who wins the MVP this year, I still believe it's a two-person race between Jokic and Embiid. I, again, you just the, their team's records, the consistency with which they've played all year long. Uh, but I do think that Steph could end up getting a top-five finish. And even a top-five finish for a player who is not on a real playoff team and is on one of these fake play-in playoff teams, <laughs> that's pretty remarkable, right? Like, that's still a remarkable thing. And the same thing would be true for Bradley Beal if he were in that conversation, which, again, for some reason he's not, and he kind of has a similar resume to Steph. Uh, I want to go back to that Denver game a little bit before we get out of here. John Morant, 36 points and 12 assists. He was just unbelievable. Just a tip of the hat to him. That's basically what I wanted to say. Will Barton, though, we talked about Jamal Murray's absence. Will Barton, at the end of that first overtime period hit a big three-pointer to send the game into into uh, a second overtime. His, he ended up scoring, what was it here? 28, 28 points. 28 points in the game. Um, they get scoring contributions from elsewhere on the roster. Obviously, Nikola Jokic. Michael Porter uh, Jr. Was, with 21. Was yeah. yeah. Uh, this is what it's going to take. Guys like Will Barton specifically and Michael Porter Jr. specifically stepping up in Jamal Murray's absence. Do you think that... I don't mean to make too much out of one game over a, 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 just an okay kind of a 500 team in the Grizzlies, but this is what it would take for Denver to remain a realistic contender, right? I mean, as long as you have such individual greatness from Jokic, uh, I, I guess it'll be enough. I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Look, I remember even a few years ago when we were still questioning what Murray's role was going to be and they were still counting on Gary Harris being a contributor and things of that sort. And then all of a sudden Jokic took over games and we're, we were – we've had this conversation before. Like it was just witnessing Jokic do these things and it's like, oh, all of a sudden he's aware of just how great he can be. And yet you still have a 47-point outing like he did tonight – and, and then all of a sudden you're kind of like going, wow, why doesn't he do this more often? And it's just a strange conversation. It's always dogged him because that potential has always been there for him to be a truly dominant player. And yet he seems to get more joy out of being a playmaker and getting everybody else going. 
and, and so it's going to take him to be more aggressive as a scorer to lead Denver, perhaps single-handedly. And yes, getting contributions from key players here and there, but we're not going to count on Will Barton at this stage in his career. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. certainly can be a contributor, but Aaron Gordon went one of seven from the floor. Campazzo mm-hmm. went one of eight in the starting lineup, too. That's not, not great. They don't have the kind of well-rounded cast without Murray there that's going to be dominant without a guy like Jokic who ties it all together. So he's going to have to be as great. He's going to have to continue to prove that he is the MVP. 47 points on 20 of 31 shooting, 64.5% shooting. I mean, I st- it's it's so much fun to watch him because he's just this big lug of a guy whose nose gets bright red, you know, 30 seconds into every basketball game. Yeah. He can't really move very well. He doesn't jump ever. Uh, and, and he's not an athlete whatsoever. And yet nobody could stop this guy. And he's shooting 65% from the field. Against a team, against a pretty, again, a decent team in Memphis. So uh, I love watching him. The narrative helps his case as well. And, and so does, by the way, Joel Embiid's case. Uh, but we'll see. I think you're right. We should open this thing up, make the conversation uh, more inclusive, but also uh, of some of these top players, but also with that understanding that, yeah, it's probably going to be either Jokic or Embiid. And, and it kind of depends on how both of those teams finish out the season. Uh, an exciting game between the Bucks and the Suns ends in controversy. But first, David, tell the listeners about Locker Room. Look, it's the episode that's brought to you by Locker Room. It's the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns on who the MVP is, and, of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll even find Lockdown hosts across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL networks. I'll be joining the app soon. to Be sure to get started. I'll meet you there. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams. I'll be sure to let you know once Locked On Heat and Locked On Warriors is live. We'll download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk about sports. And if you're looking for a game changer, why not try the family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years? That's rockauto.com. Why go to a store and ask for them to find parts in their computer when you've got access to computers on your phone or you know at your home? Go to rockauto.com, go on their easy-to-use website. You'll find hundreds of manufacturers on that website. It's so easy to navigate. With a few easy clicks, you'll get the parts delivered directly and safely to your door. And you can save a lot of money because rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. The Suns got a big win over the Bucks in what some people are calling the game of the season as Phoenix rallied from nine points down in the fourth quarter, but it ended in a bit of controversy as Devin Booker scored the game-winning free throw after drawing a questionable foul call on Milwaukee's P.J. Tucker. Here's Kane Pittman from Locked on Bucks with more. What's up, everyone? Kane Pittman here from Locked on Bucks. Milwaukee go down 128 to 127 in overtime against the Suns in a game that finished with a little bit of controversy. The fans are in the building. They're back in Fiserv Forum. They're not happy 
PJ Tucker called for a shooting foul on Devin Booker with 0.3 of a second left in overtime. I, I don't know. I mean, you can look at the replay as much as you want. I couldn't see any contact. It was very difficult to see. They called the foul. The Bucks weren't happy. Mike Budenholzer wasn't happy. Devin Booker makes the first free throw, intentionally misses the second, and the Suns get away in what overall was an absolutely classic game. We saw big shots from all the stars in this one. And for, if you're a Bucks fan, you don't get the win. But overall, I think one of the more enjoyable games of the season. Plenty to take away from this one, including Giannis, who did not finish overtime going down with maybe cramp, maybe an ankle injury, maybe a toe. We're not sure. Hopefully, we'll find out something in the post game and be able to discuss it more on Locked on Bucks. So join us wherever you get your podcasts. David, your thoughts on that foul call uh, from PJ Tucker? I didn't think it was that particularly egregious. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's quite as controversial as people are making it out to be. Really? So you thought you thought Tucker touched Devin Booker on that on that three point attempt? From what I could see, yes. So I went back and looked at it. I don't. I don't. It's hard because with PJ Tucker, he, I don't think he. I don't think you could really see him with that arm touching Devin Booker's arm. But if you look, if you think about the rules, uh, you need to let the shooter land, right? And I don't sure. think that he let Devin Booker land necessarily. But then you look at the pool report from after the game that the NBA put out, and the pool report doesn't state that that was why the foul call was called. It states that it was called because they thought that PJ Tucker hit Devin Booker in the arm. And look, I don't think that it that that he did again. You hate for a game to end with controversy like that. It was a, it was a fantastic game. Both teams deserve to win. Giannis scores thirty three points in the in the loss. Uh, you get great contributions from Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and all those guys. And and and, and you know again one of those two one of the top two teams in the NBA. But uh, when a game ends that way, you would hope for a better explanation from the officials than uh, we thought. PJ Tucker hit the arm, and we reviewed it. And we didn't see enough to say that he didn't hit him in the arm. I at least go ahead and change what the foul call is instead of hitting in the arm to not letting Devin Booker land. But because they didn't do it, I they didn't do that. I kind of feel like the 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 Bucks got robbed, or um, yeah, I feel like the Bucks got robbed here a little bit. I don't, you know, I can't, I mean, if we're talking about a foul call here. Like, is it really that important for a game? I, I just. I feel like this is a game that means more to the Phoenix Suns than it does for the Bucks. Uh, mm. I know the Bucks want to prove something. Uh, maybe they're feeling like they were robbed of a, a potential win there, but I don't know that it's that important. I, I feel like these kinds of things always even out over the course of a game. I, I hate that it comes down to a foul call and it feels so final and like it just changes the course of the game after you know again an overtime game. So you've got 53 minutes to decide the action and it's debated whether or not this one final call you know, decides the outcome. I know that's unfortunate, but look, there are a number of calls that probably could have gone either way throughout the course of the game. Is it really that big a deal? I know we'll get criticized for this take, or I will get criticized for this take, because I don't really think, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I don't care about either of these teams, and I don't care if a foul call really yeah. decides the outcome of the game. But at the same time, I mean, is it really that controversial? No, like, I usually have the same reaction when I see people complain about officiating right i say look it's 48 minutes a lot of stuff happens to blame the official for a loss i am I'm, I'm i'm usually with you on that yeah uh, i i just want to see more accountability if you're going to go through the trouble of having a pool report 
and you're going to have a trouble and having replay and all that stuff. I'd like to just see a little bit more accountability. That's why I'm more, I'm generally just get rid of replay. Who yeah. needs it? If you're going to still end up with stuff like this, why do you even have replay or even a pool report? I don't, why do you have any of this stuff? If you're not really like going to last two minute report, I remember when they first introduced yeah. it. Yeah. When they first introduced it, it was like, Oh, we want to have accountability. We want to have transparency. And now it just seems like it pisses off everybody needlessly. <laughs> it just seems like Twitter fodder uh, to your point. Milwaukee, the team that got screwed allegedly, 18 of 19 from the free throw line in the game. Phoenix, 9 of 10 from free, yeah, on, on yeah. free throws. So those those last free throws were like 20% of the free throws that they got in the game. Uh, Devin Booker, by the way, 24 points, um, uh, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. DeAndre Ayton had a really nice game, 20 rebounds, or 20 points, 13 rebounds. Chris Paul with 22 points uh, and 13 assists. With those assists, he surpassed Magic Johnson for fifth on the all-time assist leaders. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a nice statistic there. All right, let's get to some other scores from around the NBA, David. Frank Jackson scored the go-ahead basket with about 29 seconds left to give the Detroit Pistons a 109-105 victory over Cleveland despite Colin Sexton's 28-point performance. Jason Tatum had the first triple-double of his career, but it was in a losing effort. As the Celtics fall to the Chicago Bulls, who are led by Nikola Vucevic's 29 points, the Bulls have won two in a row as they find themselves four and a half games out of the eighth seed in the East. The Miami Heat were without Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero, but got 30 points from Kendrick Nunn to dominate the Houston Rockets, 113-91. The Heat got big performances from Goran Dragic and the recently added Dwayne Denman to beat Houston and Kelly Olynyk's unremarkable return to Miami. So do you think Tyler Hero was, was hurting them by being too much of a of a – of a celebrity in that game, David? No, I don't think it was that much of a case at all. I really, I like, I, I know our listeners are probably confused as to what's going on, but there were some quote unquote reports that the Heat front office is concerned with Tally Hero's uh, interest in things outside of basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily lend any credence to those reports. I think it was kind of overblown, and of course, aggregators picked it up and ran with that. And uh, it sounds like a good it's a good headline, but I really don't think that the Heat are worried about Tyler Hero's interest in his box line of, or his box of, of Cheerios or you know wannabe Fruit Loops or whatever it is. <laughs> have you tried Tyler Hero's Chipotle Bowl? What's in <laughs> no, it? No, I have not tried the Chipotle Bowl. But again, another point of contention for the Heat front office is like, how dare you have some kind of marketing partnership with Chipotle after just your second year in the NBA? And apparently, I, there's tension in the locker room that Boy Wonder is getting too much recognition and that his T-shirt with a snarl is pissing people off. I don't know. I mean, look, I know a lot of people are frustrated with Tyler Hero. I remember when he was linked in trade talks to the Raptors. Our own Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors saying that Tyler Hero had the most punchable face in the league. Not or not with Dwight Howard around. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, Hero, not a, a popular guy he's either. Not, apparently, might, in Miami, he's not watching Memphis games in Grayson Allen. That's definitely up there with punchable faces. The Tyler Hero Bowl. Before we move on, half steak, half chicken, brown rice, pinto beans, sour cream, cheese, honey vinaigrette, and guacamole. Brown rice is my cookie dough. I you go to hell if you like brown rice. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the Pacers were without DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner and dropped their third straight game, 109-94, to the San Antonio Spurs. DeMar DeRozan moves into 87th on the NBA's all-time scoring list. Unbelievable. If it's a day ending in Y, Russell Westbrook is getting another triple-double. 13 points, 17 assists, 11 rebounds, facing his former team from Oklahoma City. Westbrook also shot 5 of 18 in the game, so take that for what it's worth. Bradley Beal, the potential MVP, led all scorers with 30 points. 
Finally, the Jazz beat the Lakers 111 to 97 behind 20 points from Joe Ingles and 22 from Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Taylor and Horton Tucker, 24 points for the Lakers. Nice. Uh, how Anthony Davis and LaMelo Ball's returns could impact the playoff picture is coming up next. But first, David, tell the listeners about Bet Online. Well, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, but the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, anything anything you can possibly think of, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by LOCKEDON and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irving, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every uh, team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search for the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, it's time to play NB Ad Libs, where we fill in the blanks on the big stories from around the NBA. The Hornets announced on Monday that LaMelo Ball has been cleared to return to individual basketball activities after missing a month with a wrist injury. And there's optimism now that LaMelo could be ready to return to the lineup in seven to ten days, that is according to ESPN. David, Ball's return would be blank for the Eastern Conference. Uh, I guess disruptive is probably the best term. Like, there's so much that's going to come down to the last few games of the season in the East, especially with that four through eight, you know, four through 11, if you really want to look at it and extend it a little bit out in terms of the total standings. They're separated by not much at all. A couple of losses here and there, a couple of wins, and all of a sudden your whole positioning and your chances of advancing in the Eastern Conference changed dramatically. And so for a team like Charlotte that looked like they were really slowly building momentum, they looked like one of the most exciting teams in the leagues and of course they've dropped quite a bit, you know, four they've gone 4 and 6 over the last 10 games to welcome back LaMelo. I know they're still going to be without Gordon Hayward, but I think he's going to be able to make an impact. He's going to add another dynamic there that they've been missing over the last few weeks. And again, they could change the total outcome of the Eastern Conference. All of a sudden, you could have a contender like the Knicks, or not a contender, but another playoff team like the Knicks or Heat uh, go up against one of the top three seeds and potentially a a matchup that might not necessarily benefit them as much and be eliminated in the first round. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, how he responds first and foremost, because we've never really seen him deal with this kind of injury before. And now all of a sudden, how he comes back, whether or not he stayed in shape, whether or not he's going to be able to make an immediate impact, all those things worth watching. I think Lamella's return will be inconsequential to the Eastern Conference. Nice. I, I, you look at the record they had with Lamelo, basically a 500 team. Their record since Lamelo's injury, basically a 500 team. It's not like Charlotte is going to do much of anything. Uh, if look, it's entertaining. It's good for the Hornets fans. I'm happy that Lamelo Ball will be back. I will watch more Hornets games with Lamelo Ball is back. I'll tell you exactly. You know how many. Hornets games I've watched since LaMelo has been injured, David? No. Zero. No. Zero. Zero no. games. I don't care about them if LaMelo is not playing. And so they'll be more of a league pass darling like they were prior to, to LaMelo's injury, but I don't think it'll matter all that much in the East. Uh, Miles Turner is out indefinitely with a torn planter plate. I didn't even know a part of the, the body existed until today. Uh, a toe injury, let's chalk it up as that. 
This is blank for the Indiana Pacers, Wes. This is Miles Turner's last game for the Pacers. I don't wow. think that he'll ever play for Indiana again after this toe injury. Out indefinitely with only this many games left in the season. Sounds like season ending to me, David. And if that is the case, then and and the Pacers keep winning without Miles Turner and and Sabonis is playing well at that center spot, maybe they get some pieces back here. I see no reason why they should keep Miles Turner around. There's always been there's already been plenty of rumors that they're really that that they're ready to move off of Miles Turner. I think after a strong season because he's been a good player for them. After a really strong year, he's going to have a lot more trade value this offseason. The Pacers could really get something for him and get Sabonis as their full-time starting center and maybe modernize that team a little bit, not not have those two big men starting your front court. I think with this, we could have already seen Miles Turner play his last game for the Pacers. Yeah, that seems pretty likely, too. Uh, I, I know it's been a, a long-standing debate, as you mentioned. They've lost three games in a row. Uh, you know, Sabonis out of the lineup. You know... Currently, two and a half games out of that eighth seed in the Easter Conference. It seems like they're, for the first time in a long time, the Pacers will not be in the playoff hunt. Uh, you know, they've always exceeded expectations. And this year, with as much talent as they've ever had, although, of course, the Oladipo trade kind of threw them off their axis a little bit and trying to welcome Karis LeVert back and insert him into the lineup, that's certainly thrown some things off. It's been kind of a, a year to reassess what the Pacers are. You've got, you know, you've missed, TJ Warren's missed the whole season. Uh, you know, Lavert was in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, they traded away Oladipo. You're still trying to figure out that duo of Sabonis and Turner. Now you've got a year more or less where you've kind of been able to examine these different pieces. And I think, like to your point, trading away Turner when his value is at an all-time high lets you rebuild in different ways where you can address the different weaknesses of this roster and build perhaps a better, more complete, more complementary version of this roster that can actually compete for a title as soon as next year. I think it could be that kind of one deal where you can swing it in the right way. If you find the right trade partner that has a couple of different players that you can plug in to help complement TJ Warren when he comes back, to help complement Karis LeVert as a sixth man off the bench, and Sabonis, if he continues to take another step in his development, all of a sudden you'll find the Pacers uh, within contention pretty quickly. Uh, tonight on TNT, the Brooklyn Nets and the New Orleans uh, Pelicans is blank, David. Oh, well, to echo Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, I think it's worth watching, if for no other reason, because they're going to continue to talk about Zion Williamson and his interest in the New York Knicks. Like, look, I, I you know, we wanted to use this point to kind of catapult into a discussion about how, again, to use the term, egregious it is for Adrian Wojnarowski and everybody else to make a huge mountain out of a non-existent molehill. Like, Zion Williamson spoke about the New York Knicks, the New York playing in, in, in Madison Square Garden, as referring to it as so many players have before, as the mecca of basketball, and how he loves playing there more than any other place other than New Orleans, probably secretly much more than he even likes playing in New Orleans, let's be honest. But here he is talking about the, the Madison Square Garden in New York, the city of New York is a place he likes playing, and now all of a sudden Adrian Wojnarowski is on ESPN saying, well, it's worth monitoring, as if all of a sudden – the Knicks are going to make a play to acquire Zion Williamson or Zion Williamson is going to start flirting with a team where he's you know years away from free agency. It's so ridiculous. It's so unfair. And, and this isn't a knock on Woj. I know what he's trying to do. But 
I just I hate that you can't leave a player well enough alone. Like we have to like if there's an argument that small markets are always worried about losing key players like Giannis and everything else, it's this endless barrage of where are they going to sign? Look at Denver. Like Nikola Jokic, as soon as Jamal Murray gets hurt, what's the concern? Well, Jokic is going to enter free agency, and they're not going to be able to change to build a, a legitimate contender around him without Murray in the lineup, etc. It's just you can never just be done with it. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like always a, a bigger market's going to be there, like a Los Angeles or a Miami or a New York, to somehow sweep away your star player if you're one of these small market teams. So I, I hate the narratives. I hate the discussion about it, and it's kind of unfortunate it's come up. It does seem driven by CAA, right? Because the Knicks front office is like an alumni club of CAA, CAA's front office. Uh, Zion Williamson is a CAA client, and a lot of Adrian Wojnarowski's sourcing comes from CAA. So it feels like this is a, I don't know that for a fact, but it, just, it certainly seems like it. And Woj is as plugged in as anybody. And CAA controls the NBA as much as any other agency in the league. So uh, look, I, that it, it seems powered by CAA. Woj's comment on ESPN saying that Zion Williamson has been known to be very measured in the way that he talks with the media and doesn't just say things for the sake of saying things. That struck me as interesting because I don't know that we have any proof of that. Like, hmm. Zion's been in the league for not even two years now and hasn't made any consequential decisions yet because he can't. Why are we saying that everything that he says is so measured? Like, since when? Like, I understand that he is very media savvy and very good in front of a camera because he's only been in front of a camera for 10 years probably now. Right, and he's a sensation, but I, I don't think that we should necessarily go out and start saying that this guy is so super measured in playing chess, not checkers. I don't think we're there yet with Zion. Uh, that said, I feel bad for the Knicks fans in this. Yeah. It's not even been a year of them not worrying about superstar free agent coming to Madison Square Garden now, and now the narrative is already spinning. The Knicks are finally a little bit good. They had a very sensible offseason where they weren't chasing big stars and big names for the chase for the sake of chasing big names, and now they can't even get a year of it. You can't even enjoy a one single playoff run before it's hey, you know who's a free agent in 2027? Zion Williamson. Uh, so that seems a little crazy to me. Super Team 2027. Can't wait. I can't. I can't wait for it to happen. Two things. What is it has ever been so weird for a what is it twenty one year old to say he loves playing in New York? Like, is this news now that New York City is one of the best cities to play in or to live in? It's like it's New York, people. It's been the biggest city in the world for a long, long time. I don't, I don't think it's all that strange for a player to say he likes playing there. And then secondly, I'd be worried if I were you. You'd probably find like a CAA cart on your pillow when you go to sleep at night or when you wake up in the morning. So uh, I, I think you're certainly on their shit list moving forward. But uh, in Los Angeles, Anthony Davis. Returned to full contact practice for the first time since suffering a calf injury on Valentine's Day and could return as soon as Thursday's game in Dallas. That would be blank for the West. That would serve as an alarm clock for the West. It's a wake-up call. It's time to wake up. Anthony Davis being back to the Lakers. Let's not forget, when Anthony Davis and LeBron James were both healthy for the Lakers, we were talking about the Lakers as the obvious frontrunner, the runaway favorite to win the NBA Finals and repeat as champions. Anthony Davis goes down. LeBron James goes down. All of a sudden, everybody's hitting the panic meter on the Lakers. And look, I get it. They're not good without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But they have gone 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They got an, uh, And they're getting nice contributions from guys like Kyle Kuzma, Taylor Norton Tucker, like we talked about, with a big night against the Jazz. Uh, when you put Anthony Davis and LeBron James back there, I know it sounds crazy, David, 
But I think a lot of their problems are going to be solved when you have two of the best five players in the NBA. It starts with getting Anthony Davis back. It ends with getting LeBron James back. Both of those teams or both of those players should return for this for for the the playoff run here uh, or the playoff push here. The Lakers right now fifth in the Western Conference. They have not yet sunk below Portland. They're still got a two and a half game lead over them. They're far and away. Uh, leading Dallas and Memphis, so that's not an issue. So it sounds like they, they still have managed to keep a stronghold on a on a real playoff spot and avoiding this play-in tournament. And as long as they have that, I am not worried about the Lakers. And if they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James back and healthy for the playoff run, I still consider them the favorites in the West. You're blowing my mind here, Wes. It's almost like telling me that New York is a great city to visit. I can't believe you're, you're a top five player can change the outcome of your season. Who would have thunk it? I, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. This isn't derogatory anyway. It's just, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge thing for the Lakers to be able to welcome back one of the greatest players in the league right now, a guy who can impact so much of what the, the team does, and he's certainly going to help them moving forward. So it's a, it's a huge boost for them, and it's something for the rest of the Western Conference and teams like Denver that uh, are missing a key player. Like We talked about them potentially being exposed. Right now, that's a 4-5 matchup. I would not favor the Nuggets if they're able to welcome back LeBron James and, and, and Anthony Davis healthy and in time for a playoff matchup. So that would be uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that we're going to you – know, you know, be able to see now in the West, especially when you get guys coming back from injury and all of a sudden it's going to change the outcome of these teams as they move forward in the playoff. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me at Locked on Warriors and David over at Locked on Heat. Thanks for listening. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.